Today is Thursday, July 8th. The title for our devotional is Transformation of the Mind. Yesterday we looked at the condition of the human mind apart from God. It is certainly in need of some help. This transformation is no small task. As we saw yesterday, we all have ideas that govern our lives, and most of them have been given to us more than we would like to admit. To change these governing ideas, Willard writes, is one of the most difficult and painful things in human life. He goes on, it rarely happens to the individual or group except in the form of divine intervention, revolution, or something very like a mental breakdown. This is certainly worth pondering, but I think he's right. Our conversion as Christians is a work of divine intervention. This is true whether you believe God initiated the intervention, the Calvinist position, or the person initiated, the Arminian position, which is, again, an oversimplification of it. But Without this divine intervention, a change in the ideas that govern our lives is impossible. Again, we turn to Romans 12 in the second part of verse 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Remember, that verb in Romans 12, 2 is passive, likely what is called a divine passive. That is, if the context fails to indicate an agent, Paul is likely referring to God as the one who does the action. So God is the one who transforms us and renews our mind. Likewise, Colossians 3.10 says, And you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, again, passive, being renewed, after the image of its creator. It is when God transforms our minds and gives us the Holy Spirit that we can then understand the truth of God and his word. For this point, all of 1 Corinthians 2 is worth reading, which we will do in a moment for additional content. Philippians 2.5 says it like this. He says, Paul says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Meaning that this mindset that he is about to explain, this way of thinking, is a result of the transformation of our mind, which we as believers have in Christ Jesus. This mindset that he's talking about, which he'll get into uh, next, is the mindset that believers should be humble and willing to give up our rights for the benefit of others. And back to Romans 12 too, as that says, when our mind is transformed, we are then able to discern what is the will of God. That is his will for ethics, truth in scripture, and all factors in living the way of Jesus. Ultimately, a transformed mind would be demonstrated in worship. Prior to being transformed, our pride restricts us from worship. How can we view God as God and worship him as such when we are full of pride and exalting ourselves? Pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. Upon conversion, worship is possible. And as the believer's concept of God grows and expands to be more in line with the truth of who he is and who we are, worship will grow along with it. On this point, A.W. Tozer writes, A right concept of God is basic not only to systematic theology, but to practical Christian living as well. It is to worship what the foundation is to the temple. Where it is inadequate or out of plumb, the whole structure must sooner or later collapse. I believe there is scarcely an error in doctrine or a failure in applying Christian ethics that cannot be traced finally to imperfect and ignoble thoughts about God. 
for additional content, as I've already said, we're just going to read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul writes, And so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you. I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom, as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that got destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. A person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. But such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of God so as to instruct him? But we, Paul says, have the mind of Christ. Reflection time today. I want you to spend a few moments in worship, praising God for how he has saved you. Give him thanks for giving you his Spirit who reveals to you the truth, which ultimately all comes from God. Thank him for transforming and renewing your mind so that you can know his will. Spend a few minutes just praising God today and worshiping him.